0: What's up everybody, welcome. Oh, we got Craig. Craig, get yourself out of there! Oh. Go, <laughs> Craig, trying to take over the show, man. He's been on such a heater lately that he wanted to force his way into the show and get himself on camera to begin. You know, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. He can't even figure out how to start the show properly. Maybe he's sniffing himself after a couple of uh, good shows in a row. But yes, I'm Kevin Kincaid. Welcome to Crossing Broadcast. It's great to have you with us on a Thursday. As always, uh, Kyle Pagan's not here. He's still working on hanging his wall art, uh, so we'll let you know when he gets uh, when he gets that done. But I'm happy to be joined by the White Marcus Hayes himself. It's Rush Joy. Let's bring Russell onto the show today. How you doing? So Mark? White, so Marcus, so Hayes. Yeah, so White, so Marcus, so Hayes. And uh, you know, it's uh, we got a we got a big uh, we got a long rundown today because there's been a lot of stuff going on in philadelphia sports this week it's been kind of a like sloppy and uh drama filled philadelphia sports week we've got craig carton uh coming out and and saying that he knows what happens with the with what happened with the eagles but he can't tell us derek gunn had a few nuggets he shared aj brown tweeted something this morning or did he does anybody know who's actually running his his twitter account at this point we had a fatal four-way between jj reddick doc rivers austin rivers and Patrick Beverly um, and we've got uh, Anthony Rendon saying that he doesn't even like playing baseball even though he makes millions of dollars just a lot of like sloppy dramatic kind of stuff so we're going to get into all of that with with you and uh with everybody else and uh we've got Joe Tanzi coming on the show he'll be on around like 12 20 12 25 uh Joe is a new sure. contributor for Crossing Broad he's writing a Gambling column for us, you may know him from doing his union stuff and Bleacher Report stuff over the years for sure. Um, But before we do that, we've got a special guest joining the program. Now, people who have listened to Crossing Broadcast since the inception of of this current iteration of the show know that there are many characters in the chat who uh, are more participatory than others uh, and probably the most famous of them is a guy named Ford, and I'm happy to bring on the show today none other than Ford. Let's get him on the show. Hey,
1: what's hey, up, guys? That,
0: that guy. What's, what's up? What's up? So you are indeed a real person.
1: I, I am a real person. Um, I'm also very disappointed because I wanted to show my wall art, but there's being work done in my house, there's there's contractors in there, <laughs> but um so I'm sitting in my car, and and also my son forgot his lunch. So you can probably appreciate that, both of you. I think you have young kids. So here we are. You make plans, and you sit in your in your car, and you get on Crossing Broad. Well, I appreciate
0: it, man. You have been uh, you've been one of our loyal lis- uh, listeners, watchers from the beginning, um, and you have been asking to come on the show for a while. So I felt like it was appropriate to. To show love back to Ford, Ford has showed much, much love back to us, even though he argues with people in the comments section. He gave Russ the white Marcus Hayes nickname. He he uh, yells at Pagan to hang his wall art. But uh, we're Let's happy. You know this. what? You know what?
2: Let's put Ford in a place that he belongs right there in the middle. Um, there it is. The center of attention of this early part of Very a beautiful good. Thursday crossing broadcast.
0: So is Ford your, your real name or is this just a nickname? Yeah. That
1: we're yeah. So my, uh, my real name is Jeff. Last name is Rosensky, nice Polish name. Uh, and I actually mm-hmm. sent that to, uh, to Kyle. So he has my whole email and everything. None of it's a secret, but Ford is my middle name. And a lot of my buddies call me Ford to this day, like your college friends. So trying to create a YouTube handle and all this stuff, this username is used. This one is used. So I'm like, fuck it. Let me just say Ford. Yeah. And, Surprisingly, Ford was actually not widely used. Um, Razinski was, so go figure. I don't know. Maybe it's the Russians. But <laughs> but but yeah, dude, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. I really do. So you kind of orchestrate how you want this to go. I'm just here for the ride.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, this is your big moment, man. You can say whatever you want to say. You know, if you want to go after Ian, Ian again. Is Ian You didn't,
2: didn't even start off with long time listener, first time caller, like none of that. Oh, yeah, Ford. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Come on, man. I thought I'd like I like the sweater. It's a very, yes. it's yes. a very like Phoenix kind of sweater.
1: Yes. Yeah. Now that's fair. That's fair. You guys got to bust my balls. I I definitely deserve it. But I'm all right. So busted. here's, the,
2: I think it's a nice, I think it's a lovely sweater.
1: Thank you. All right. This is what I'll say. Let's do Ian real quick. So Ian, I would say he clearly, he enjoyed messing with me. That's for sure. But my whole premise has always been, and this is where Russ and I agree. And I think, you know, even you Kincaid is, The Sixers with Embiid are not winning anything, ever. That's my take. Not a hot take, not something sensational to type in the comments. They're not winning ever with Embiid. The reason is he's not reliable, and they don't have enough supporting cast. I'm not a Boston fan, born and raised Philadelphia suburbs. Uh, You know, LaSalle High grew up around Winmore, Flower Town, all that kind of stuff. I hate Boston. But clearly, Ian at some point went from, Logical argument to Let's just fucking mess with Ford and that's where it got fun But I think even if you got him on the program, he would realize hey You know, jeff's not a boston fan And then as far as the white marcus hayes while I got the time here If you guys remember daily news live back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. so great show. great show back when guys would actually discuss sports and, and Barkan and had hair before he looked like eddie munster and so so white marcus hayes that comes from what Marcus Hayes would do is he would sit on the panel like this. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, you're like, this guy's going to say something because he's just stirring it up. So I've noticed that with Russ.
0: He's building it up in him. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like with Russ, I'm like, he's going to say something because he's got opinions and I actually agree with them. But he's building and building and building. And that's like, here he comes. Here comes the white Marcus Hayes. Yeah. Because, I'm like, this is what's happening, people. Listen. No, 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 no. You had your time. Listen to me. Like Marcus Hayes used to do that. And as soon as I heard Russ, I'm like, holy shit, he's the white Marcus Hayes. It's perfect. Well, he's
0: got many opinions. I mean, Russ, you can tell that when I'm talking or someone else is talking, Russ is just like, you can see the gears turning in his head and he's working on a take. He's got something to say. Russ has never not had something to say, you know, which is part, part of the reason why I agreed to give him the whole show on Monday. Cause I think Russ is the only one of us, Who can monologue for forty-five minutes straight? It's like a uh, audition for the fanatic or something, but it's good. I think the Russ reacts reaction has been good so far, but I agree. I do see the gears turning in his head, and I'm happy that you jumped right into the Embiid thing because I I I assume that even though we get a report out yesterday that like oh you know he may be ready for the playoffs or whatever, I sense that people don't give a shit about that because it just takes us back to the same place where we were at the beginning of the season. Even with a healthy Embiid, are you getting out of the second round? Your take
2: has always been no. I think Russ is the same, right? Aren't you like an Embiid? They're not going to do anything with Embiid kind of person. They need they need an actual killer to maximize what Embiid is. So like they've they've taken some steps. I think that like in surrounding him with Buddy Healed, I think they've taken that step. I think they've added a legitimate shooter who's going to give him the space that he needs to post up. If he's willing to post up, and especially now that he's going to be coming off of another knee injury, I do question whether or not he's going to be willing to bang in the paint. We'll see. But the best chance they've ever had is when they had stone cold killer Jimmy Butler. Yep. And they replaced him with nothing for a while, and then yep. they brought in the animated corpse of James Harden, who had good moments and who could like, you know, kind of fill up. It's kind of like you guys remember the NBA street games NBA Street yeah. Volume 2 when they yeah. did, like, the, the the two-level game breaker. So, sure. like, James Harden would kind of – he'd do his moves. He'd get his passes. He'd kind of build up the game breaker. And so, like, every four – but it, it would go over the course of multiple games. And then you would have a game like he had against Boston where he goes off and he wins them the game single-handedly. But then the game breaker goes away, and then you have to start from scratch again. They didn't have a guy like that. Now, Tyrese Maxey, I think – has the ability to be that guy or at least to be the guy who takes the scoring load off of Joel Embiid's plate. But I still don't know if Tyrese Maxey has the final minute Mamba mentality going to rip your jugular out. I think it's actually one of the things that makes him so endearing is that he is such a positive, upbeat guy. I don't know if I want to see Tyrese Maxey become the stone cold killer. I think that would be weird. Yeah. But they, what they're going to have to do, and I don't think it matters this year, I think it'll matter in the offseason, is they need to get that guy. They need to yeah. find that yeah. guy with the nasty kind of, like Pat Bev who sort of yeah. fit yeah. that, but wasn't the guy who could close out the game. I think until you have that guy, no, I I don't think that this team has the ability to go toe-to-toe with a Boston in a seven-game series and break their spirit. No, And that, no. that I think, is what it's going to take.
1: Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And I think it's been borne out. I mean, look at how far Miami went, right? And without Embiid and a cast of characters, but they had Jimmy Butler, who was the killer. So I I do think that in today's NBA, everybody likes each other. They're all friends. And, you know, we've also got Mr. Glass, who was our main star. So the element of injury is massive for us. So we have no killer. We've got a guy that's, you know, always injured. Yeah, we got Nick Nurse. And my argument has always been, Nick Nurse is a better coach, better X's and O's guy. 100% agreed. But show me the horses, right? I, you know, it doesn't change who I put out on the court. So unless you change that, you know, you can bring in, uh, you know, uh, uh, Phil Jackson or whoever it is, and it's not going to matter. You need the horses. So, yeah.
0: So if you take the Embiid, one of the Embiid things that I've said a lot over the years is that let's just take the injury Situation out of Let's just take injuries and put it off to the side for now. And let's say that hypothetically we have a healthy Embiid. Um, everybody knows what playoff basketball is in the NBA. It's it still is a perimeter game. uh um, yeah. smart identifying mismatches, getting the matchups that you want on the perimeter, you know, pick, pick, and roll, forcing, forcing you know, the, the matchup that you want, right? Joel Embiid has extended his game from the paint to mid-range to the perimeter. He can start with the ball uh, at the three-point line at, at mid-court if he, if he needs to. But is he – I mean, can you close through Joel Embiid uh, no matter how good of a scorer he is now? I just don't – he doesn't play the same kind of perimeter game that guards play, that a Jason Tatum can play, that uh, yep. you know, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Butler can play. And that's always been my concern. It's like I, I don't know you – know, he's such a unique player and he can do a lot of different things, but is that the type of superstar – that is going to be able to say just give me the ball in my hands and i'm going to create something either off of the, the dribble or off a pick and roll or a switch or something. you know it's like can you He's close- proven he can't yeah. do it. First you talk
2: about positionless basketball, Russ. Can you close through a center? No. You can't. No. You can you can put it in the center's hands like Denver does with Jokic and that but only if your center is able to facilitate and only if your center has elite court vision which he does not. That's the only like there there is no way to close out with Joel Embiid. There's not. The the sad thing is, I think that there are still people who are convinced that he can. Yeah. And they're like, and they're very clearly ignoring the the now years and years and years of opportunities where he can't do it. Can he get you in a one point game? Can he get himself to the free throw line and give you a chance to at least tie the game? Yes. But given the way that the playoffs go, is there an official who wants to make that call in the last five or ten seconds of a game? No. <laughs> so that that negates any value that that has. It might work in the regular season, but it won't in the postseason. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I do think that once this thing is done, once the season is done, once you're able to offload and just have Tobias Harris off the books, yeah, I think that there's a way that you can have a cumulative effect of mm-hmm. Instead of going star hunting, you just fortify the team with a few guys who can hit clutch yeah. shots, yeah. and you build the team like that. Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid as a as a one two are about as good as any other one and two in the league. I would yeah. say, yeah, that's fair. But yeah. it's a it's a matter of putting guys around them that can hit those shots when needed. You don't yep. have a Ray Allen during Boston on your team. That's kind no. of what you need. You need somebody that you can rely on in the clutch. From the corner to put you up sure. a point with with 15 to go.
0: I'm just laughing by the way too cuz I'm looking at the comments section and I'm noticing that there are fewer comments than I realize <laughs> because Ford's on the show and he's not <laughs> blathering in the comments section. That's
1: so- right, that's right.
0: Well, okay, so uh, Ford, I yeah. need I need I'm glad we have you on actually right now yes. because I need a fan perspective on something. Russ and I have the media perspective on all of the slop, all of the Eagles stuff with Craig Carton and V and gun having a nugget here and there. And, and, you know, Adam Schefter coming back saying that nobody slept with anybody's wife. There's no uh, uh, infidelity going on here at the Novacare locker room. Uh, when you see that kind of stuff as a fan, number one, do you give a shit about that? And number two, um, have you moved on from this Eagle season or do you say, Hey, I'm still curious to know why they fell apart.
1: Right. Um, Do I give a shit? So I I think, you know, I'm 45 years old, so I have to kind of take a step back and see the way the media is now. So I was just joking with my wife the other night. I used to have a Game Boy. You guys remember Game Boys with the uh, Game Boy Color
2: or the the brick? yeah. That's exactly right.
1: So it was like that green puke green. And I had, to, I bought a magnifying glass for it so I could yeah. see it. Better. Yeah. The one that <laughs> right. like fold over the yeah. top.
2: Did it have the built in light too? Yes. Yeah. You son of a bitch. Yeah. Look at you.
1: Yeah. So, I, like I said, I'm 45 years old. I got a five year old and I got an eight year old. So I look at the shit that they have with these tablets. I'm like, my God, they got nicer stuff than I do. So, mm-hmm. where does that tie into what you're saying? Well, it ties in because now you get on Twitter, Facebook, you know, all the platforms. And it's this person saying this and this person saying that because of the technology piece which is cool but i go into every sort of um exchange knowing that a lot of it's bullshit so like what i'll say in the comments is it's another talking head sometimes i'm right sometimes i'm wrong yeah. but there's so much bullshit out there when i look at a guy like craig carton i think his name is to me he's a bullshit. he's a bullshit artist that that's what i look at that's why i say the guy's a used car salesman i don't give a fuck what he says that's my interpretation of him but i go case by case If I've got a report from, you know, I think you said the other day, Ross Adam Schefter, say what you want about him. He tends to be correct. You're right about that. But a guy like a Craig Carton or, you know, another talking head, I "Ah, I don't fucking care. Let's wait for the real deal. The D gun story. When I looked at that, it was concerning because I'm sitting there going. So this guy that is the security guy on the sideline has so much power to the extent that this became an issue for Nick. That's a yeah, problem.
0: Back it up here, real quick, for so yeah. D Gun. D Gun was saying that, you know, he went on Twitter last night, Wednesday night, or yesterday evening, and he said, "According to sources, number one, Jalen's big contract pulled him in numerous directions on and off the field, and to put him under a lot of pressure that he didn't handle handle well." And they said, "Big Dom suspended. <clears throat> he controls Sirianni's emotions on the sideline, and in his in his absence, Nick gets in numerous arguments with players and coaches <laughs> during the game."
1: Yeah, I just find that concerning. I think it's concerning if it's true. Um, but to my point about the media, it's sort of concerning to me on a macro level that that comes out. Because to your other question, uh, Kevin, I don't personally give a shit about the season. Seasons come, seasons go, right? Uh, yeah. We won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Never would have thought that. Nobody would have expected that. But guess what? It happened. So now I've got a season. I go like this. I flush it in the toilet. Next yeah. seat. I don't need the bullshit. What happened? What didn't happen? It feels very elementary to me. Very like you know. I don't know
0: fans, I don't know if it, you know people click on that stuff on the website because I think they just find it like they want to know like what this person said or whatever. I don't know if anybody prioritizes like the drama. I think they just want to see what's being said. I don't think people put a lot of stock in it. I will well, say what's interesting from a media perspective because. What you've seen in the last couple of days now is you get a, a tweet from d and You get something from Adam Schefter through John Kincaid. You get Howard Eskin coming on WIP this morning and clarifying all this stuff and giving his take. Sometimes it's good when uh, something salacious goes public. Why? Because then you might get a wave of all these people coming in on the back end saying, this is horseshit. Let me tell you what I know. And then in a weird way, you kind of get information out there that you wouldn't have got otherwise if Craig Carton didn't go on FS1 and say what he said. Sure. In a way you can use that to your advantage where I know at times in my career, you can fish a little bit and maybe throw something out on social media, throw something out on the site, trying to get somebody to bite on that. And then they call you or you talk to them or whatever. And then, okay, now I can get more information off the back. I'm not saying that people like Craig Carton should go out and say, Oh, I know, what yeah. you did this summer, but I can't tell anybody because I think that's corny. If you got something to right, say right. If you don't, then yeah. don't
2: well, say it. But you also not out of it, you know? But. It's also not limited to something that's salacious though, right? Like you come back to, uh, I'm like trying to think of a, of a more recent example of something like this happening, right? Like you ask certain questions for the on-the-record response, which might n- not end up amounting to anything, but you do it because you get people out of the woodwork who then do try to clarify. And we'll speak yeah. to you on background. And then you're able, as a media person, to put together a much more informed opinion. And then as you start to present those facts to other potential sources, then you do get a much better idea of like where the truth lies in all of this. Do mm-hmm. I think Craig Carton went on TV, given his past and given the tenuous ground that I think he stands on and just made this up. No. I do think that Craig Carton was probably told something that might have even been so-and-so banged someone's girlfriend or somebody outed that, like, this dude was sleeping with whoever and it wasn't his wife. And it could have been something as small as that. But if you start to connect dots and, like, all right, well, what is it that you can't reconcile about that? All right, well, say, in theory, I'm not going to use player names here, but, like, say one of your offensive players uh cheated on his spouse, and one of the defensive players mentioned that to Craig Carton. like, oh, it came out and like everybody knew that it was this other guy or it was probably this other guy who like told the guy's wife or like his girlfriend talked to this guy's wife, and that caused a big rift, and there's really not a way to fix it because the damage is done, the marriage might be blown up, you know, all those things. Now it affects the kids, all that. I could look at that and say that's a situation that you can't fix. there's a- the only way to fix it is to move one of those guys out. And the reason that you probably can't fix it is because it involved two players who matter or two guys who yeah. are under contract that you that you need. And so I think that there could still be truth to it. We just don't know what it is or how specific it is. The Schefter yeah. thing is interesting, but at the yeah. same time, I don't necessarily look to Schefter to be the one who like knows the ins and outs of the locker room. Schefter is embedded into front offices, and he's yeah. embedded with agents. I don't know if you're going to get a player... Who's going to feel comfortable enough to go to Schefter with that kind of dirt? feel like there are other outlets that guys would be more likely to go to with it. Um, the the Derek Gunn thing I think is just bigger. Like I I and I I, I quote tweeted it yesterday. It's like I believe whatever Derek Gunn's putting out because he has sure. done due diligence in this city. Yeah. He has embedded himself in a way that we know historically players sure. connect with him and, he and also they doesn't share tweet with him. Very
0: often, Russ. He's like, so you know that when you get something from D Gunn, it's probably like accurate. He doesn't put shit out there just to like
2: keep yeah. yeah. So like you put all those things together and yeah. like I think what I said yesterday, I think the bigger concern isn't that Jalen Hurts might have had the money go to his head. He yeah. had he had additional sponsorships that he typically didn't have. He had a lot more attention than he was used to. And like, even if you're stoic, it it is going to go to your head. He's a human being and he's a young yeah. guy. I'm more yeah. concerned about the coach. Because, I'm sorry, you're a fucking grown-ass adult. You're supposed to be the leader of men. You can be an emotional guy. Don't get me wrong. You can absolutely be that guy. You can wear your heart on your sleeve. It shouldn't take Dom DeSandro to be the one to hold you in check professionally. If you're having legitimate issues because the big bodyguard isn't there to hold your hand through the ins and outs and the emotions of a game, you're not fit to be a head coach. That, I agree to me, is the bigger yeah. concern. And it once again, casts doubt in the decision-making of why the fuck did they bring him back? Right. Other guys on the coaching yeah. market that you could have gone after. And I yep. am shocked and somewhat appalled that if this is true and if what gun is reporting, which I imagine he's now run past multiple players and other people in the organization as well. It didn't just come from one guy or woman. That's a, big concern because it speaks to the guy at the very top on game day. And and maybe that explains why he's been relegated to being a glorified cheerleader this year and why we're expecting the defense is going to be run by Fangio. The offense is going to be run by Kellen Moore. And Nick is just going to walk around with his hands in his pockets and say, good job, guys. Like, maybe that's it. And they just didn't want to have the situation where they have to upend the apple cart, totally change the system, do it again. Maybe they think there's a way to kind of paper it over. You bring in a guy like Fangio back to kind of nurture Sirianni too. But again, you don't, you shouldn't need your head coach to be nurtured or to have his hand held.
1: Right. I agree. It's like, you've hired four guys to babysit this one guy. It's like, what are we doing? Um, that was my reaction. But the other thing is back to the game boy analogy, because I think it, I think it kind of holds water here is, remember when there was just one option, right? So you had the Game Boy, that's what you had. You want a fucking thing that you want to play with? For Christmas, you got the Game Boy. Then you got the magnifying glass if you had a little extra cash. Now I've got so many fucking options. Amazon Fire, Switch, Wii, all this shit. So for me, especially as a parent of young kids, I'm like, I got to go through all the bullshit. Now my job is harder. Is D-Gun for real? Is Eskin for real? Who the fuck is telling me the truth? All right, now we can talk about it and figure out maybe the story is real because of X, Y, or Z. But holy shit, man, it's a lot harder now. It's a lot harder yeah. to sift through the bullshit. And and I do think that it creates, you know, talking heads like us, we can discuss it. But think about what we're doing. We're spending time discussing, is Craig full of shit? Is Adam full of shit? So, so I always feel like seeing this now as a 45-year-old guy, I'm sifting through more shit. To figure out what's real you know yeah, i do think exactly.
0: there's i think this week is a little bit of the product too of a vacuum in the sports calendar you know the flyers played last night sure but the phillies they haven't won. started yet um you know the sixers were on the all-star break and Joel Embiid's injured right i think normally eagles stuff surfaces to the top but i think this took on a life of its own <laughs> just because there wasn't anything else either i do think it's funny russ to your point about like the Sirianni thing you know when t-mac went uh to that press conference and, and asked him like the office space version of of what would you say you do here?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um,
0: people laughed about it, and he got Nick kind of got offended by it. But I, I, you know, now it looks like a valid question, right? You're the head coach, so you're supposed to be, you know, the overseer of all this stuff, and just make sure that the, the coordinators are doing a good job. And you're the one who pulls it all together. You shouldn't have to have anybody keeping you in check. You're the one who keeps it in check.
2: You, you know. You know what not- I noticed though, and I I don't know if you guys do it the same way, but anytime. Like, A.J. Brown, when he came out and kind of clarified what was going on, and, like, when you would hear some of these other guys, and they would, you know, even Hurts, like when Hurts kind of did, like, the weird deflection thing uh, when asked about his future, if you ever listen to it, it sounds like they like this guy on a human level. Yeah. And they appreciate him on a human level, which is very important. Don't get me right. wrong. But you never hear them say, we think Nick is a really bright offensive mind. No, you You never don't. hear them say that... Yep we think that Nick's system is is like we can implement this and we can execute it better, He's and his system officer. is great, but we need to do a better job. It's yeah. always that, like, they respect Nick. They like Nick. Yep. Yeah, but that's that, a problem. That doesn't yeah. necessarily yeah. equate to being yeah. a good head football coach. Ford, final point, man.
1: On this topic, um, yeah, I would say I'm with you guys in terms of, you know, I'm, I have my doubts about Nick. Honestly, I think he gets fired five, six weeks in, that's where I'm at. Uh, we'll see what happens. But but I do think the head of the snake has to be strong. So to your point, this guy is an issue. Let's hire a bunch of people underneath him. No, right? The supporting cast is is important, but my head needs to be as strong. And I don't think he is. I don't think that's changed. So yeah, I, I do worry going into next season. I do.
2: Ford, good stuff, man. We appreciate you coming on. I want to do something before he- Ford heads out. I just have to, and Craig, I'm going to, I'm going to commandeer something here on. Oh, on you got the, a surprise for us. Are you taking it? I summer? do. It's, it's just going to be a very uh-huh. quick thing because it's uh-huh. all uh-huh. I've I been do. able to think about this entire time. All right. You okay.
1: ready? Yeah, here it comes. It's going to be a lookalike. Yep. I, mean, I knew it.
2: I get it all the time. All the time. Yep. I yep. mean, I mean. Yep. All the time. We, yep. we see this, right? Like. Yeah,
1: dude, I get, bro. I get it all the time, Russ, all the time, brother. Yeah. And and people ask me to do the impression. I text, I tweet, what the fuck? Why the face? <laughs> Remember that scene from modern family? Mm-hmm. So I, I get it. I get it all the time. So yeah. Um, let me, I would be remiss, right? We we should do this again when Pegan is back on so I can discuss how to to take a picture and we can use finishing nails. We can use all sorts of different things. There's command strips, but there are multiple ways to hang a piece of wall art. Let's help a brother out. He's
0: still trying to use the tape measure, I think, just to space out the nails, right? So that takes about three to four weeks, and then yeah. he'll you know he'll get on to the next
2: thing then. So he's out on an indefinite leave while he hangs his wall art. You know, he he has he's not, not, been not being filed. charged by the London Ontario police. Different kind uh, of indefinite okay. leave of absence. It, uh, it is important not to a, note not the distinction uh, there. Hockey Canada right. for
1: yes.
0: Uh, You sound like you want to make another point. I'll give you one more
1: thing. One more thing. One more thing. So I want to say why I love this show, because I want to give you guys your props. I love the show genuinely because it's regular people talking about regular, regular topics, whether it's sports, whether it's, you know, a new menu item or a new bag of chips with a weird flavor. Keep that stuff up. People like it. Regular people enjoy it. And it's a good alternative to the bullshit manufactured ESPN first take crap that's out there.
0: So all right thank you, man. That's like the nicest <laughs> thing anybody's ever said about us. Thank you for the support. We will see you uh back thank in you. the comments section, all right? I
1: cool. appreciate it, guys. Take care. All right. All right. What a guy.
2: What a Definitely guy. Nice Ford. to meet Ford.
0: Ford did a good job, man. Ford he did, out, didn't he? Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Ford got some, Those are some um, big
2: shoes to fill. Some yeah. some uh some dumpy shoes to fill. Pagan's we'll
0: actually on a cru- actually on a cruise right now. So he'll get back to doing his his uh wall art after he uh gets back from uh from wherever he went i didn't even answer i saw a video
2: on. of pagan on vacation i'm not going to put it here on the stream because it's kind of inappropriate but yeah. i'm the worst Pagan's manager. having a nice
0: time i'm the worst the manager ever i just i know he's on a cruise i don't know where he, he is or how long he's gone i think for the rest of the week but, you know,
2: very <laughs> do i have to go check that? the hr portal to see how long he requested to be <laughs> out for it very
0: hands off here at XL media as i'm sure people have been able to tell but i appreciate ford uh for coming on and uh supporting the show. Yeah, he did good, man. He held his own. He had a lot of good things to say. The Ford that we see in the comments section was largely the Ford that we got when we actually had him on the show. Yeah. So
2: I appreciate it. And he that. lives by me apparently, which is also kind of weird. But he's you know. a Marco guy. He's up here. Yeah, he's just like us. I, know, man, I thought Ford good. I thought Ford lives in Phoenixville. Am I crazy? I thought Look, the he's, Ford back, in, in he's back in the comments section already. There he is. Look at that. <laughs> this man. There, there is a never ending grind. I swore Ford <laughs> is from Phoenixville. I was like mostly sure of it said something we'll about, see oh, oh there's pagan yeah let's see what's he doing yeah see he lives in phoenixville i was right i could so have taught he, his kids if i had stuck with it but anyway. pagan's winning the dodgeball
0: championship on the uh the, the cruise ship what is it called the something of the seas or, or uh
2: spirit of the seas the spirit of the seas is that the one he's on i don't three know kills, three it. dodges two deflections one dodgeball championship parade is friday and he's biting the metal. Kincaid, one of the things that I, I've gotten good feedback on with the Monday show is that I try to explain what's going on on the screen because yeah. there's that dedicated podcast audience. And sometimes we kind of throw to things, but we don't explain them. It's kind of like, you know, they have those alt tags on uh, on Twitter for the, for the visually impaired so they yeah. can understand what's going. It's kind of important. Sometimes, i do so. have to illustrate
0: that but i do have to i do have to speak in uh you know i have to have to frame things knowing that this is an audio 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 what what, what am i trying to say here a uh I don't know. podcast medium you know most of the people who watch this show, i think like 75 percent of the people who are crossing broadcast consumers uh get the audio version only so they're not watching video right i will do i i'll be andy reed i gotta <clears throat> I gotta do a better job of explaining to people what's uh when I'm talking about things that are in, in video only. So let me talk about this. We're going to bring Joe Tanzi on the show. Now, Joe, uh, the latest contributor to crossing broad. What's up, brother? What's going on? Oh man. So you guys probably know Joe from the Philadelphia sports. man, Joe's been doing Philadelphia union and college basketball and gambling stuff for forever. Now, man, Joe and I work together on union stuff. He's a- appeared on always soccer in Philadelphia a bunch of times. And, uh, so we brought him on to CB because we wanted to have somebody to do some uh, gambling columns for us and just kind of. Uh, I believe the,
3: the the direct way you pitched it to me is we need a degenerate who can write.
0: We Yeah, I did say that, didn't I? I said, look, I need somebody that I know and can trust. And who's also a total degenerate. So that was uh, that was the pitch. But yeah, so Joe's writing like once a day, every other day or something, just exploring. Uh, betting topics talking about we got a series right now going with philly's futures you know plus 330 to win the division i think right now plus 800 to win the pennant we're going to kind of combine it to make it like an editorial kind of thing but some gambling numbers and whatnot too because that's still you know that's still our our big brand you know is uh you know getting people through with DraftKings and Fanduel and all those you know rush just correct me if i'm saying anything wrong but uh yeah yeah, welcome man it's good to have you i know you can i know you can talk about any sports because joe's the joe's the kind of guy who's like uh, you know, it's one a.m. here on a Saturday, but I'm watching uh, Louisiana Tech versus uh, the Hawaii uh, Rainbow Warriors. They're not the Rainbow Warriors, anymore, are they? I think they, just- I think they kind of are. They kind of stick with that branding. Okay, yeah. I yeah. mean, I'll,
3: I'll I'll put it this way: I'm like one of the five people east of the Mississippi River with the Pac-12 Network. That's probably the best – that's the best way I usually describe myself.
0: Well, that's a, that's a good way to put it. All right, so, Joe, let's let's wrap the, uh, the Eagles part of the rundown first because the A.J. Br- – so, A.J. Brown, we think, goes on Twitter this morning and he says that the Philadelphia sports media is lame or something along those lines. However, A.J. Brown deactivated his Twitter account uh, a couple weeks ago and then a fan, or, uh, we think, goes on his Twitter account and says, it's just a fan. I don't want to get A.J. in trouble. So we currently have no idea who is actually uh, tweeting from this account. Craig, if you want to pull that up and show everybody
2: what's going on. Russ, do we have any idea like if this is actually AJ or? That's his account. I don't know if he's the one who put it out or not, but that is definitely his account. That's the one that people have been citing multiple times this year. I don't know.
0: One case. So he says Philly media is so lame, it's literally something every day. Then the fans believe the BS. They really should start raising the prices of microphones <laughs> and cameras because people you people will uh say anything for views. What do you mean, you people? I see why mean? nobody likes us because we don't even like us. And if you scroll down, Craig, the last two tweets are Dar he's quoting Darius Slay, who says, I just talked to AJ, that's not him. And then this AJ Brown imposter says, tell him I will give him his page back for a signed jersey, please. And on February 11th, he also tweeted, this is a fake A.J. Brown page. I'm just a fan. I'm not trying to get him in trouble with what I say, LOL. Um, Joe, oh. do you have any read on this at all? What the hell is going on here?
3: I mean, whether it's A.J. Brown or not, that last tweet is is pretty spot on, right? Well, I mean, I, I, mean I, lo- I looked at it and I'm like, well, that is basically Philadelphia media in a nutshell, right? I mean, we've just been... I mean, let's be honest. Since the the Super Bowl ended, we've just been sitting here waiting for something to talk about. The the Sixers haven't played in a week. Uh, No disrespect to the Flyers, but they don't resonate as much as the Eagles or the Sixers. The Phillies are in spring training. There's a vacuum there. Yeah, Yeah. so we're looking for something to talk about. And uh, and because the Eagles dominate 24-7, I mean, if the the defensive backs coach gets fired, we'll we'll turn that into – you know, two weeks of content. So, I mean, it, it's right. Yeah. Somebody told it. me
0: on Twitter. So one of our, one of our uh, readers, I guess on Facebook or something said uh, it's, it's football is in the off season. And my response was, well, the Eagles are never really in the off season around here, but right. uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like somebody was trying to, I saw somebody say, Oh, the, uh, the fan thing and the hacking thing, that's just AJ Brown trolling us. And then I'm sitting here thinking I'm in, like, the movie Inception or something, and I don't know, like, what's real and what's not and how many layers are. But all we can do – like, I want to explain this to people who are listening now. You know, when there's, like, drama and stuff like this, Craig Carton, A.J. Brown, whatever, like, what we do, what I try to do is just sort of lay everything out there and, like, explain the genesis of this stuff. Okay, Craig Carton came out, and he said he knows what the Eagles did, but he won't tell us. Adam Schefter has a source within the organization who says he doesn't think this is true, uh, we don't know who to believe, but here's all the information and you you make a decision yourself, right? I mean, isn't that the thing, Russ? Doesn't it always come down to that? It's like, I'm not going to tell you what's right or wrong because I don't fucking know what's what's right or wrong. But I can just try to explain this thing from start to finish. And then, you yeah, know, you guys decide what you want to believe or do you not want to believe? Do you believe Craig Carton, who uh, went to jail for securities and wire fraud not long ago? Or do you believe Adam Schefter, who as you guys, as, as Russ is to think you mentioned earlier is, you know, connected to Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, you know, I mean, there's layers to, to, to all of this stuff. So, um, that is essentially what's going on here. Um, what do you guys, want? where do you guys want to go next? Russ, do you want to do flyers? Do you want to do uh Phillies? Where, where should we go? Should we do baseball or hockey
2: next? I'm happy to go wherever you want to go. I am a mere passenger on the Thursday show.
0: Let's talk about the Phillies. Um, I think it's interesting that they're replacing the score but one of the things that people responded to the most out of any story that we did this week was that they're replacing the out-of-town scoreboard at citizens bank park craig if you can pull up that uh story and show the picture here so it was like an old board that just had a bunch of like lights on it showed you like what the scores were and all that stuff they're gonna go digital with it and they can you know they can put advertising on here they can put scores on here so naturally baseball fans are i saw a lot of like Hey, man, this is like nostalgia. This was here with Citizens Bank Park in the beginning. Like, do you have to, does everything have to have advertising capabilities? You know, this is the old one, right? So it's simple. It's old school, you know? Here's the score. Here's the baseball diamond, you know, final, whatever. People like this. I don't see the big deal because I think, like, everything changes inevitably. But, like, Joe, I don't know. Do you have an opinion on this one way or another?
3: If they didn't announce it. And say we're changing it, no one would have noticed. But but because they're announcing it being changed, and people don't like change, and, and baseball fans don't like change, uh, I mean, look, I mean, I think that's that's it. Like if I walked into the Citizens Bank Park and it, it's like mid-May, and I see the scoreboard, I probably wouldn't have noticed it, honestly. But now because it's it's a big deal, and it's being publicized, like I, I think it's one of those things where we're just you know freaking out about the freak out like I, I definitely would not have noticed it if if nobody told me
0: i think there's something to be said about you know does everything have to be you know cuz because the allegations it's like oh they're just going to throw you know more more advertising there. does everything have to have that like i used to go to the, i went to the masters a couple of times when i lived in augusta and one of the cool things about it was that it was super old school you know nothing there was digital at all and they did it by by design you know it was like they're still dude like put, like hanging numbers up on this huge board and like they wanted it to be that way, a certain way. And people like that feel of, you know, this is it's not broken. Why fix it? You know, it gives you a certain feel of like, uh, you know, the ballpark has always been the ballpark. Yeah. You know, Russ, you remember when we did the stories on the Nets a couple of years ago, like them putting up the safety nets after that woman got hit in the head down in like Houston or something like that? People hated yeah. that, too. Right. But they did. Honestly, like, do, do you remember in
2: like the last year
0: or two or three, anybody complaining about the Nets?
2: No, because I think people got used to it. And by the way, now that we uh, we're now currently streaming live on Instagram Live, as oh well, welcome. just got that up and running while you were chatting there, Kregels, oh, Kregels okay. over there, two hundred fifty thousand dollar salary. I got it. Don't worry. I get it. Uh, big thank you to everybody joining us now on Instagram Live, in addition to Facebook and or sorry to YouTube and to uh, Twitter Twixter. Um, no, people stopped complaining because of two reasons. One, they obviously valued their health and their safety and the the nets aren't aren't intrusive they don't screw up your view they don't really change how you get to watch the game um i think if you had put up glass instead of nets and you had legitimate like reflection issues people would have been upset but i think you just kind of take it and you say like look ultimately safety is important and like so people stopped caring i think that the I think the scoreboard thing is a little bit of a bigger deal, though, Kevin. I know that, like, you know, you're Mr., you know, is this really a big deal or is it a nothing burger? Like, I think it does matter because it was a unique element to the park. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think that, um, yeah, like, people have the right to be concerned that it's all going to just become advertising because it will. Because anytime you give a team the opportunity and the space to create an advertisement, they're going to take it. In fact, like... Were it not for the fact that it's the batter's eye, I would never have been surprised if they had thought about trying to put some kind of advertising out on the batter's eye in center field. You just can't. But like, it wouldn't have surprised me if they tried or if like somewhere down the road, you know, they decided they're gonna put another giant board in Ashburn Alley so they could put up more advertising. I just, I don't like that part because I think that is a cool sort of throwback. It's not quite the flipping the numbers in the green monster, but like, I thought that there was some character to it. I I think that there is a little bit of a shame that it's going away it's another thing that's original was original to
0: CBP when it was built 20 years ago, you know? And like, it's kind of has now that, I don't know, rustic kind of old school feel that kind of works with like the brickwork inside the stadium. And yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't disagree. Like with, like, I know everybody thinks I'm like some, uh, I don't have like opinions on these things, right? I think I'm just so jaded and burned out on the inevitability of all this stuff that it doesn't surprise me anymore. I don't have a reaction to it necessarily because I'm like, well, everything's moving to digital. They're going to try to put advertising wherever they can. So, so to me, I, I I see it as like I knew that this was going to happen eventually. At some point, everybody would accept that this is the future. Um, but no, it doesn't mean that I think it's the right idea. You know, I like the old school, like baseball. Thing. I still think Citizens Bank Park is a great place to watch a game, man.
3: I, I slide. I I slide with you. My my whole thing is I'm just thinking through this. Like, how many times do I actually look at the out of town scoreboard when I'm in person? No, I have a phone. I have a phone for that too.
2: That's true. I look at it a lot. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the problem. Well, it was cool back in the day when, like, they're in
0: the playoffs or something like that, and there's only three other games that show up on there, you know? It's I like, think uh, I think it
3: serves a purpose in September when um, the games matter and then you're, you're actually scoreboard watching. I don't know, like, I, I can't really think of how many times I've gone to Citizens Bank Park and actually thought, like, to take time out of, of my data to, to look at the scoreboard like and and analyze it and be like oh cool the Mets are are losing like if I glance over I glance over but I also have yeah. a phone for that
0: um so uh, people are asking if my chair has a uh arthritis I guess my chair is making a lot of noise I have a loose like screw here I got to get an Allen wrench at some point and put this back in um but keeping it on topic here The Bryce Harper contract thing, part of me thinks it's like ridiculous that we're even talking about this (laughs) at any point. Um, But I see both of you laughing. And so, yes, there's a reaction to this shit, right? I'll tell you what I hate about it. I hate that like Scott Boris is always like trying to think of the next thing. You know, you're eight years into this thing. I get it. But at the same time, as Rush Joy would say, it's not our money. So why should we care? So is that, Mm -hmm. am I going to, am I assuming that is your take with this one, Russ? No. No,
2: okay. you're not. I'm formulating. This. I'm formulating an opinion, Kevin. You know, we talked about this at the start of the show. I've got to I've got to let things kind of permeate a little bit. So come back to me in a second. Okay.
0: Well, Joe, why, I mean, you tell me about the Bryce Harper thing and we'll let Russ uh, formulate in his mind what he's going to say here. I mean, I come at it from a different
3: perspective because I am a Braves fan and the Braves have just underpaid every
2: single player they have. So Wait, Craig, uh, put this man. Uh, Craig, put hold on. I'm putting him in the penalty box. Back up real quick. That no, don't, there don't is no place off. on Crossing Broadcast for a Braves fan. No, bring What the back fuck up. are we doing here? Bring what is back this? Up. You brought this man in. You allowed this no. man into the camp, into the Crossing Broad camp, and he's a Braves fan. He's an no. undercover. Are you kidding me? What's he going to do next? Chop at us?
0: No, I I, I need. Joe. Is he going to culturally
2: appropriate a people? i need joe
0: to give me the to give joe the opportunity to to explain why he's a braves fan because i don't know why he is
3: oh it's it's pretty simple i was five six years old getting into baseball and you know how they used to have little playing cards and cereal boxes Mm -hmm. so it was during the braves indians world series and it was tom glavin and albert bell my dad was like teaching me baseball and the braves won and i became a braves fan it's it's very simple i've been called the front runner many times you can you can call my my skin is thick here, Russ. You can call me whatever you want.
2: I don't even want to. I don't even want to
3: provide. So, give me, me the
0: Braves fan this. perspective on Bryce Harper wanting uh, a contract extension when he's got eight years remaining on his current deal.
3: Uh, I mean, look, I'm in the camp of all the the best players should be paid as as much as they should. And and with and with the amount of stars that the Braves are not paying, like I would I would love to see them get paid as as many millions of dollars. As possible, uh, I mean that's that's my perspective on it. I mean, look, it it is what it is, right? It's kind of the natural evolution of how these contracts are working.
0: <laughs> All right, did we chew up enough time for you, Russ, to formulate <laughs> your take in your head? Are you ready to share it now with the rest? I mean, of I? I had to
2: formulate it anyway. I just I wanted to give Joe some time to speak here. Before you're just I mad absolutely... that I'm a sleeper agent now. <laughs> no, I mean, there's just I've, I don't, I don't even know how to feel. If if it um, helps you,
3: I, I I'm a fan of every other. Philly team. It's just... It doesn't help. I mean, you're,
2: you're, no, you're you're filthy... You're not four filthy, for four, bro. No good. I mean... Ugh. Um, okay. <laughs> Here's the thing that, that I think people are losing in the nuance of this entire thing, right? Because I, I decided to tune into Sports Talk Radio uh, this week a little bit. And I was listening. I won't say which show I was listening to, but it clearly wasn't one on the on the station that doesn't like even have ratings at this point. Um, so I was listening to them kind of go back and forth about it. And the thing that I kept coming back to is... When you look at Bryce Harper, like do I think that with eight years or whatever left on a on a thirteen it was a thirteen year deal initially? Mm-hmm. Do I think that he needs a contract extension now? No. Do I think that they are going to find themselves in a position with three or four years left where they're going to have a diminished player that they're going to then feel like because of what he's done for the city and hopefully have won them a championship by that point? That they're going to go like the, the Lakers and Kobe, where they pay him the max, or in their mind what the max would be equivalent to, for an extension at that point because of legacy and because of what he did. I think that's a possibility. Do they have to do it now? No. But if you're going to do it, it's because you view him as being the ultimate ambassador for this team. But you damn sure better be positive that you're going to keep that relationship rock solid for eight more years. Because if you don't, that's where you really run into the issue. If the idea is we're going to sign Bryce Harper to a four-year extension, so he'll have 12 years stuff with the team. But realistically, we think he's only going to play for eight of those years. Or like we're going to put together a four-year package for when that contract is up to move him into a front office role, to move him into an advisory, into an ambassadorship role, then without a doubt. You absolutely pay money. You absolutely – because the the return that you will get uh, over the long term with having him be that big brand ambassador is bigger than anything else that you would get from any other player from any other era that you have currently available. Bryce Harper, if he wins a title especially, will go down as one of the all-time great Phillies. He'll probably be up there somewhere, top three, top five, you would think, for positional players. Uh, By the time it's all said and done, if he keeps up any kind of, like, decent performance. So I think that there's a lot that goes beyond just his play on the field. But you really have to be sure it's not going to blow up. You can't put yourself in a position, and, you know, it's not my money, but you can't put yourself in a position where 10 years from now things have soured and you need to move off the contract because there's a, a Lindros Flyer situation that plays out. That there's, like, something that burns a bridge And now you owe him, say, $50 million a year for years 10, 11, 12, 13. And, like, yes, there won't be a cap, probably. And, yes, like, money will be different, and it will be viewed as a bargain at that point. But, like, he'll be a 44-year-old guy and probably won't be able to do much other than DH. You have to make sure that you're not just lighting that money on fire. You have to make sure that your return on the investment there is worth it. I just don't know how you do that because – It's all predicated on the relationship remaining sound, and when you give a player that kind of importance where that relationship is critical, you're now giving him additional leverage, and what he can leverage you on is going out and getting other players or going out and dictating terms on the roster itself, and that is where the real conversation should be had. It's not, is he valuable to the Phillies or would he be valuable to them beyond this deal? It's, Mm-hmm. What kind of negotiating leverage beyond his deal are you then inherently giving him? And that is the thing that maybe you should try to get him to pump the brakes on.
0: Russ, that was such a good take that Ford, it looks like, has donated um, a couple he's dollars. trying to
2: figure to- out the super chats. Yeah. And yeah. Ford- these, are su- these are super chats, but they're no questions. They can only be oh, interpreted is. as donations. No, is. He just he was he's just in such agreement that. Uh, <laughs> but that, you're uh, right. You're right. Because Ford it's and I not are going to about- go meet. We're going to go get a, a Gazzo's cheesesteak up in Pottstown. I've been meaning to get up there. Maybe so- Ford and I will meet up. Listen, if Ford and I meet up and we get a beer, I'll put it on Crossing Broad Social. I feel like that's just where we have to go.
0: So you you are right because the the on-field stuff with Bryce Harper is only, only half of this, right? I mean, you yep. can't put a dollar amount. You can't quantify or qualify the contribution that he's made in this sort of de facto assistant GM role. Whether he's doing anything or not, his mere presence in this market was the catalyst to get this team turned around and yep. get them to the World Series, get them to the NLCS and get these free agents to sign here. Now, I'm saying is Trey Turner coming here if Bryce Harper was not already here. Right. So uh, he, is the- Kyle Schwarber coming here? Right? Schwar- Nick Castellanos
2: have come Caste here. Like, and, yeah. and listen, who's the guy that they put in front of Yamamoto when they offered him Boku Bucks? They put a video message from Bryce Harper. Mm-hmm. We haven't heard that they put a video message from Reese Hoskins, right? We're mm-hmm. not hearing that they put Aaron Nola in a video package. Mm-hmm. It was Bryce Harper. He is the face of the franchise. And mm-hmm. yeah. unless the wheels really fall off, he will be the face of the franchise for the next decade. He, his, his value is immeasurable. There is no other team right now in the city that has a guy that is a, as important to their brand – As Bryce Harper. If Jalen Hurts tomorrow decided to stop playing football, it would suck. And he is your number one guy right now. But in football, you move on, you find another quarterback. Joel Embiid could have, God forbid, another injury. And it doesn't fundamentally alter everything about the Philadelphia 76ers. It changes them from being a championship contender to being whatever they are. But it doesn't fundamentally cripple your franchise. The Flyers don't really have that guy. Couturier was out for two years. It didn't really change much. This is the guy. You can make the case that Bryce Harper is the most important person in Philadelphia sports and that as Philadelphia sports go, so goes Bryce Harper and vice versa. So there's just so much more to the conversation than I think where a lot of people have been landing the last few days when this has come up.
0: Well, it's a good segue too, because I want to talk about the Anthony Rendon thing. And uh, it just like, it drives me crazy in in a weird way that like, Bryce Harper lives and breathes baseball and doesn't have a ring. And Mm -hmm. Rendon comes out and says that I don't really prioritize playing baseball. And he was a stud in the 2019 World Series, and he has his ring. And he's played, what, 200 games in four years with the Angels after signing that big contract. And a lot of people had a lot of things to say about his comments. At spring training, where he just said, look, baseball is not really a priority for me. It's a job. Yeah, my family comes first. Faith comes first and all that stuff. And I just... Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, part of me, of course, says like, look, man, to each their own. You got your list of priorities. I'm not going to tell you one way or another. I just think it's funny because you're going to tell me that family comes first and all this, all this stuff. Man, you get four and a half months off every year. You mm-hmm. have more time to spend with family and to do whatever faith-based activity you when you have infinitely more of that than than any of us do, you know? So to me, it's like these things are not mutually exclusive. I'm reading off of a quote sheet right now. He was talking to media, uh, I guess, over the weekend, and the guy asked him, he said, is it still a top priority for you? Quote, it's never been a top priority for me. This is a job. I do this to make a living. My faith, my family come first before this job. So if those things come before it, I'm leaving. And then the guy said, is it a priority? And he said, oh, it's a priority for sure because it's my job. I'm here, aren't I? (laughs) So I I don't know. I mean like, Joe, if you're if you're a teammate of this guy, uh, like I, I don't know. Like what's what's your reaction to this? Guy? I
3: I think if you're a teammate of this guy, you've known that this guy has been like this forever. It, it doesn't it doesn't seem like Anthony Rendon's done a um a, a motivational change overnight that all of a sudden now it's it's family first. Like it's it's pretty apparent that ever since he's been with the Angels, I mean that's it, it has playing baseball really hasn't been his priority. Now, I don't know if I would say this, but you've got a ring, you've got your big contract. I think you kind of feel comfortable saying whatever the hell you want to say because you've got your ring and you've got your big contract.
0: So like, now he feels comfortable. Now he's right. saying something that we probably already knew going back right. uh, yeah.
3: And and look, it's if this was a thing that the it was apparent when the Angels were trying to sign him, well then that's on the Angels for signing him to a big contract that you know this guy is uh, going to have this attitude like that's that's not my problem it's it's the angels problem so uh look i think there's i i'm not getting as upset with him because look he's got his ring he's got his bag like say whatever the hell you want you like you've achieved kind of what what you've set out and now you're just you're just playing that contract at this point um, yeah yeah if, if it was somebody else who's like still chasing the ring chasing the you know the the bag and and looking for a big contract then absolutely i think i'd be more pissed off because you're just ruining your career by saying that but brendon has got nothing to lose like the angels aren't going anywhere he's not going anywhere like
0: i just think it's funny because he came out he said that like he writes um he would do like a put down a list of like uh the pros and cons of playing baseball Mm -hmm. like we're going um house hunting with like our wives and girlfriends or something. And we're saying, okay, well this one's got a good interest rate, but this one's in a better school district. I'm like, this dude's a pro baseball player. Also, isn't
3: he the guy who like snapped at a fan last year and got suspended? Like, yeah, there was an officer. He's he's Mr. Faith and family, but going after fans too. Like,
0: it was like with an A's fan or something like that. Or no, they don't yeah, have any fans. Right? No, they don't No. So I think, was, I think it was
3: though. I think it was. Yeah. There was the thing yeah. with,
0: the, there was an altercation with the fan. I know he's been injured a bunch and I don't, you know, he's also talked about that, but all right. So here's my list of pros for being a baseball player. You make a bazillion dollars and you get to play a game for a living, right? The cons, let me think of the cons of playing baseball for a living. Well, it's a slog in the summer. You know, you travel, a lot of travel, maybe you get injured. Um, So let me see. I'm going to weigh that against like $200 million over seven years or whatever contract he got. I just, I don't know. I think I always center myself, man, by like waking up every day and saying, man, imagine the bullshit I could be doing right now. You know, I like I get to sit down. I drop my kids off at school. I come back here. I get to write about whatever I want to write about. Like I am blessed to be able to do that. I could be shoveling shit at the carnival. And, you know, it could be much worse. So like when I think of that stuff with Anthony Rendon, like, is it my personal business what the guy prioritizes or what he thinks? No, but man, you got to have some perspective sometimes. And it's like, dude, you could be like, you know, why don't you switch jobs with the guy at the sewage treatment plant? You go in at 3 (sighs) a.m., right? Because the sewage ain't going to treat itself. And you can that guy will go play baseball for a living. But doesn't
3: the perspective go out the window when you when you get the bag like that? I mean, to me, it comes off as... I've never gotten
0: the bag in anything in my entire life, so I don't know. I I, I
3: can't relate, but it it feels like this is a guy who can say whatever the hell he wants because he's achieved everything he's wanted to achieve.
2: (laughs) let it to known atheist and boyertown native kevin Kincaid no 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 wait to wait, miss, wait wait no to not miss not, the not, entire not point atheist. of the guy saying that he cares about his faith let's not start atheist, there not atheist agnostic russ agnostic. agnostic is a bitch way to say atheist i continue no there's a clear so difference so there I don't know if there's one. I'm not saying there's not. not... Imagine that Kevin Kincaid sits on the fence of whether or not God exists, along with every other sports take he's ever had. I don't know. Is God real? Is he a nothing burger? I don't know. Who am I to say? But listen, there's there's like a very basic. I, I love this because the comments, they get it. Ford gets it. Trevor gets it. Call Kevin on his atheism bullshit. is Welcome not. Two but this is here's you're you willing you, that you don't know if there's anything. Out if there. you if you have signed this guy, you've known who this guy is, right? And and everybody knows this. But as you're looking to sign a free agent, you're asking players, you're asking agents, you're asking other people from the game what this guy is like, what makes him tick, right? None of this is surprising to the Angels. And by the way. If the idea here, Bumpy <laughs> <Pompey> Jones, Bumpy <laughs> uh, Jones is a polytheist. Um, listen, here's the thing, though. Like, you go the way that your leader goes, right? So I'm not surprised to find out that there's a guy playing for the Angels who doesn't value winning, oh, who doesn't prioritize Trump? winning. Right. I'm gonna because Mike Trout decided, Mike decided that he was going to sign a big-ass <laughs> deal to go play for a team no one gave a shit about. And to go play for a team that has a bad ownership group that's unwilling to actually splash money to, like, maybe do something worth a damn. Which, by the way, is really funny as Kincaid walks away. So, Joe, it'll be me and you, I guess. But, like, Mike Trout a few days ago was like, I don't want to get traded. That's the easy way out. I just want them to go out and sign somebody. Hey, dumbass, you've been there how many years? You saw what they were willing to do. They made like two free agent signings around the time that he got extended. They made the the free agent acquisitions before To, he to be fair they
3: they they tried to the trade last year. they just traded for all the wrong guys.
2: Yeah. I mean and then they it, let Sho- and then Noh the yeah. was going to leave. Yeah. They kind of sat around like, "Oh, Maybe he'll come back This was like Chuck Fletcher With Matt Niskin, And that, that'll go over Most people's head But it's like Waiting at the altar For the bride to show up And she never shows up That's what the Angels did They played with fire But they were like Absolute morons about it Right Like There's nobody who thought Shohei Otani was gonna return To the Angels Absolutely. And yet And yet They could have traded him To any team It didn't matter if it was a team That had a good draft pick it didn't matter if it was a team That had a good mm-hmm. prospects Trade him for something And hope you get something In return And they didn't do it Right So This isn't surprising. Fundamentally, it's not surprising because that's just how the angels do. That is the way they operate. Winning is not a priority. But I'm not going to crucify this guy because he's saying that the entirety of his career, he's put his faith and his family first. And he's made that known that those are his priorities before his job. And you know what? I'll say this. There are a lot of people who put their job far before their family. So I don't fault the guy for having that opinion. I don't fault him for it. Now I know it's easy because we say he's making a shit ton of money to go out and play a kids game and now see-through, you know, see-through pants thanks to Nike and Fanatics. Like I get it. I understand. I get what Kevin's saying. But at the same time, if he has been very outward in his thoughts that it goes faith family and then his his job, then I can't fault him. I'm not going to judge the guy for it. I can say like oh, maybe Maybe he needs to be a little bit less tone-deaf because the people who are paying to go see him play probably want to hear that baseball's is his number one priority. But, like, I don't know. I don't really care. He's not my guy. If he were in Philly saying that i I'm
3: also not going to an Angels game to see Anthony Rendon. I'm going to see Mike Trout.
2: Bingo. If he can stay healthy, Mike Trout.
3: I and if the Eagles aren't
2: that. in the playoffs, or if the Eagles aren't playing a regular season game, and well, Mike the, Trout the just good news happens is he's to tweak his is like
3: he only misses like two Eagles games a year because the Angels are out by September anyway.
2: That's a good point. So I, actually I don't did know. I have
0: like, to go to the bathroom. By the way, I, I hydrated too much before the show, I think, and so. Uh, but the Mike Trout, my, uh, once I saw that Russ was crafting a Mike Trout uh, rant in his head, I was like, oh, "This is a good opportunity to go take a leak." So
2: uh, anyway, it's always been right. One It's, thing right. I mean, it's, a, it's a shame. Me. It's a shame too because Mike Trout was supposed to be the savior of baseball. And unfortunately, he didn't priori- – you know I talk about somebody who didn't prioritize baseball or prioritize Major League Baseball? It was Mike Trout because everybody and their mother knows that the way to get baseball to that next level was to have Mike Trout play in a, for a team that matters, preferably one on the East Coast where so much of the media is set because no matter what, no matter how, how many guys want to say that going to the Dodgers is the big move, and it is a big money move, you don't pick up the middle of the country and the East Coast staying up late at night to watch – Clayton Kershaw pitch. They're not doing it. Baseball diehards are, but that's it. Mike Trout needed to land in New York or in Boston or in Philadelphia or on another big market team on the East Coast for baseball to have a chance to like go to that next level or kind of reinvigorate to the masses and reach out and get all those those disenfranchised kind of viewers and all those disaffected baseball fans. And he didn't do it and he didn't have to, but like... It was kind of a bitch move, and I don't blame Redone. And that's it. That's all I'm gonna we, say about that. We
0: said that we were gonna touch on all of the teams when we do this show on Thursdays. So uh, a, a bit on the Flyers here. Uh, they came back, <clears throat> rebounded from the six to three loss in uh, the Stadium Series, which was which just reeked of North Jersey crap. Like every Max Weinberg, Tommy DeVito, Sopranos. It
3: was reference. very forced. Like yeah. I, I watched the the Sunday one between the Rangers and the Islanders, and it was just like we're just going to shove Tommy DeVito in your face, and, and you're going to like it. And look, I'm I'm Jersey born and bred, and, and even I thought it was like too much. Like, okay, we get it. We have diners. Like, it-
0: well, nothing says <laughs> NHL the current demographic of the NHL than rolling Bruce Springsteen's drummer out there and letting him talk. Not not once. Like, so they came to him the first time. Mm-hmm. Then they came to, then they did the second thing with him sitting there. And then they went to him like on the side of the ice, too. And I'm like, look, man, we, you know.
3: The, those, we want- those interviews, I, and I know this is probably your thing, Kev, but those interviews they did like ringside were very awkward because I, I was watching oh. Sunday and like, yeah. it's great. I, I don't need to know that Damian Woody's like a, a massive Islanders fan because the entire game is going on. Like, I think like two goals were scored in the process. Like, it's very, yeah. like the whole thing is very forced like you don't have to bring these celebrities on and say hey these guys like hockey too they're just like you like you just treat it like a normal game
2: okay serious Joe, question. you're you're like, a, a, you're a pork jersey pork guy though right yes so i'm afraid to ask this but i am going to give you a chance to redeem yourself here really quickly <laughs> since you mentioned springsteen okay? I'll,
3: I'll give you the answers there's no such thing as a central jersey and it's pork roll
2: that wasn't what i was going to ask okay i agree on pork roll though those are usually um, the
3: two questions i get
2: if you had to go to one concert and your options were Bruce Springsteen or Billy Joel. Which concert do you go to?
3: I'm going to Springsteen.
2: Well, Joe, it was nice having you on Crossing Broadcast. Um, <laughs>
3: we'll
2: the, answer you, is, pal. the answer yeah. is forever and always Billy Joel. I grew
3: up in a Springsteen household.
2: You know what? So, I, I listen, I don't know your parents, and they might be very nice people, but they failed you <laughs> twice over because we've now up, learned that they – they, uh, Uh, encouraged you or at least didn't dissuade you from becoming a Braves fan and a Springsteen, Homer. How many Springsteen concerts have you been to?
3: I've not been to any Springsteen concerts.
2: Okay, you know what? That's slightly redeemable. I will withdraw a portion of my outrage.
0: All right, let's get it back on track here. Let me ask a rhetorical question. What is the demographic of the NHL fan? White, male, mostly Women, there are a lot of female fans as well. But uh, who? What I want to know is who at the NHL thought it was a good idea to roll out Max Weinberg and the Jonas Brothers for the Stadium Series game? Did, do you have anybody ever heard the Jonas Brothers playing over the loudspeaker at the Wells Fargo Center or any hockey? That's oh, an easy.
2: Florida. That's an easy call though, Kev. Why is it an easy call? Because they knew that it was going to be hard to move tickets for this game because you picked two teams that were geographically close and really aren't rivals in the Flyers and the Devils. Do you think people really bought tickets to go see the Jonas Brothers? I think that what the NHL's thought was, we're going to potentially have a hard time selling tickets for this, especially knowing that going into the year, the Flyers were going to be a rebuilding team. And I think that there's a good chance that they were like, you know what, we're going to try to play off this idea that like, it is still going to see a Jonas Brothers concert in a sense, and maybe we'll get people who otherwise wouldn't have okay, checked okay. out the so product. I'll, so I'll give
0: you it. that. I'll give you that, and then say, why the Jonas Brothers? Can't you get some generic WMMR schlock rock band to go to to fit? But
3: that's not who they're they're looking to chase after for with that. They <laughs> want they want the Jonas Brothers because they want different people showing up to
0: that game. Yep. I, I guess, but, but, you know, do you want to sell
2: tickets or do you want a specific type of person showing up? Every ticket. They don't shows. care. They wanted as many they, they want seats money. sold as they could. They were giving away thousands of tickets leading right. up to the event. I just don't understand, man, because, like, when I
0: was growing up, man, like, the Devils were public enemy number one, you know, <laughs> and they dropped off. That that Flyers, Devils, Robert, I guess, uh, T. just just mentioned it there. It doesn't seem like there's anything there, but, man, Martin Brodeur and Scott Stevens and all these assholes, like, that's why I think it's funny, too, that people made such a big deal about Josh Harris buying uh the, the commies because it's like dude, he's owned a, a Philadelphia rival for a long time now. Nobody seems to give a shit about that, you know. So I, I don't know. That was a forgettable kind of thing. The other flyers
2: comment can I also
3: can I also hop in real quick.
2: Yeah, please the do the out,
3: the outdoor games are a little overrated now. Do They're oversaturated,
2: once. they've done too many. Do it, a, yeah. do it
3: do it once on New Year's Day, call it the winter classic, and and that's it. We don't need 15 different stadium series games because then it oversaturates it. It makes yeah. it less of a novelty. Every every sport does this where they try and like, hey, this is our, our great idea. Let's do it 15 times. And then it becomes, well, why am I watching this? I mean, it was – don't get me wrong. The I, Now, I watched the Sunday game just because I, I, was, I was doing other things on Saturday night. It was cool. The environment was cool. But, like, that would be cool on New Year's Day too. Just, like, and yep. have it different. That way – different teams do it. Like the London games are like that too with the NFL now is like, now we're just putting games in, in every corner of the world because we want to make money. And it I mean, just, just give us but one.
2: There's nothing wrong with that though. Like from a, from a global perspective, there's nothing wrong with saying let's make something a must attend event. So like, right. I always go back. I, to agree. Like, I agree
3: with that. I just don't think you need five of them in, in London. Like if you're going to do it, I, if I you're agree. Gonna, if you're going to do it, put one in London, put one in Germany, Put one in Mexico, one in Brazil, yeah. and 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 spread Somalia. it out.
1: We we don't need.
2: I and I love Did football. you say Somalia? What a <laughs> <laughs> But no, I like know. I think you're right. <laughs> like, yeah. This this weekend, right? WWE is going to Perth, Australia, for Elimination Chamber for one of their premium live events. Right? And they that's have good. another one that's going to be in Germany. They have another one that's going to be in Paris. They have another one that they a live event that they're doing in um in Italy. But, like, the idea is they can go to the regular American towns, a lot of the bigger markets for Raw and SmackDown now, but they're going to take a lot of these premium events and they're going to send them abroad because that's your one time a year that if you're a fan in England that you're going to go and you're going to show up or It's their first time doing a show like this in Australia, that they're going to fill out a stadium with people. And the thing, I, I, we talked about this on Snow the Goalie a few episodes ago, but I said, like, if you're going to do it, give me the one in the U.S. on New Year's Day Mm-hmm. Maybe give us one in Canada. It can be New Year's Day or another day. Maybe it's the first game of the year. Put it in a, you know, cold ass part of Canada and and have that. What Bundy and Ant said on the show about that was do what they did at Lake Tahoe, where it's not a huge crowd, but it's the scenic, like where it kind of takes you back to the roots of hockey. Like right. let that be the Canadian one. Do a, a stadium game on New Year's Day in the US. And then my contention is send a game to the Czech Republic. Or send a game to Germany or send a game to somewhere in Scandinavia and, like, put it in a stadium, make it a spectacle, and give all those international fans the opportunity to make that a really unique and dynamic um, audience and, and a cool feel. Because what you found here, especially with this game against Jersey, is... They, they were giving thousands of tickets away. It didn't excite the masses here. The Flyers have been involved in a lot of these games. The, the novelty of it has worn off. But, like, you are limited in which markets you can try to do a stadium series game at this point in the year. So I think they have to just redo in their minds. Like, if you're going to try to do four of these games a year or whatever, they can't all be stateside. And they probably would be better off sending at least one abroad. Right. See
0: from I, I, I think, is, uh, real quick. Uh, Hurricanes, Blue Jackets, and Sochi.
2: <laughs> they can grab Mishkov while they're over there, right? Tucker the can uh,
0: Tucker can be the Max Weinberg, <laughs> Tucker Carlson in the Max Weinberg role.
3: It, it's just like these guys in the, these marketing offices say say this works. Let's just multiply it by ten and and keep doing it. And just, like at some point, it just it just runs out. And I think that's that's where I'm at with with hockey outdoor games with games in London. I agree with your point to like spread it out, but it, you're giving us too much. It used to be a novelty. Now it's not
0: Uh three more things I have on the rundown. I want to make one more flyers point. I want to make a UFC Atlantic city point, And then I want to talk college football to wrap it up in the new playoff format. Number one, um, Russ, I, you know, so Torts comes out and he does this thing last night after they beat the Blackhawks three to one, the Blackhawks stink. Everybody expects them to go out there and just have a pedestrian, quiet, clean, uneventful kind of win. <laughs> Torts says, yeah, we win and we're going home. And then he goes on and talks for five more minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really understand. I'm trying to like get a feel for how he like responds. Some sometimes he responds to these games and like they like they win a they win an easy one and he's not impressed and he goes up there for 60 seconds or 90 seconds and he's done. Last night he talks about the Kate's Hathaway and whoever else is on that line and he says the other lines weren't that impressive. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't I don't know like what I'm getting from. I don't really understand what I'm getting from him in these these post games every night. Like sometimes he's unimpressed and then he talks for five minutes. Other times he's, you know, happy with certain things and will will go on, and on, but I, I just don't, I don't know. Like what is the snow, the goalie kind of read on, on the way that towards has responded to, to some of these things that did that I think is a good win last night. We I mean, all have,
2: yeah. I mean, we all have different reads on it, but I, I would just point out that um, what you're getting and what this is reminiscent of, if this is white hockey, doc rivers, you have a coach who likes to talk to the camera. You have a coach who likes to air out things in public You have a I mean, like, listen, he loves the cameras, whether he wants to admit it or not. Like, so much of this shit is fabricated with him. Like, the thing a couple weeks ago about, like, the guy, like, he wrote the handwritten letter and then said, oh, I didn't even know that that, like, got play. I didn't know that that was out there. That's, like, total bullshit. That's not true. But this is what he does. So he and Doc, two guys that won a championship two decades ago and have been kind of, like, writing on legacy ever since. Now, the difference is... Doc has been given many teams that really are ready to win a title, where Torts has taken a lot of teams that are on the rebuild or like start to flip the switch kind of thing. So I'm not going to say that it's the exact same thing. But that's what it is. That's why like Torch well, doesn't have
0: like a litany of like choke jobs in his on his his resume. You can say that he's been back to he hasn't been back to the finals, but it's not because he blew multiple. No,
2: it's it's not. Yeah. So like to that point, yeah. it's not. It's just kind of like the I, I really do think that so much of his shtick is trying to give off this appearance to the team, that he's willing to call things out in public and to kind of take some some jabs in a way that's supposed to motivate them. But, like, it won't work long term. It never does. It's why he typically lasts for as, as long as he does, and then he's out. Like – There have been games where he's made excuses. And, like, we'll be doing press row show. And, like, there's a a game earlier this year where, like, they had a five-minute five-on-three, I think. And, like, they got, like, two shots on net. It was an absolute disaster. And, like, post game, if you're being an honest coach, you're going to say, like, that is easily the point where the momentum changed in the game. And, like, you're probably going to say that was that's something we have to work on but he was like no I was happy with our performance but then you have other games like last night where like they didn't play a perfect game by any stretch it was not a very good game but they went into Chicago they won and like Sam Erson was really good and instead of that being the focus it was let's figure out a way to kind of like shit on Konechny and Farabee and and those kind of guys and like also say that like we kind of wish that like Noah Cates took more opportunities Noah Cates isn't that guy so like you look at it and you say like on one hand, all right, cool. Like he's got opinions, he's throwing them out there, but like they're not right. I I think that like so much of this is him just kind of playing a game. And I don't totally understand it because it's easy to see through. But I don't know. I mean it's what he's it's what he does, but look, they're winning. Yeah. You know It doesn't matter. I mean, and Flyers fans are pragmatic,
0: and they won't give a shit about all the media stuff. You know, as long as he's, I'm just trying to kind of understand what's what, what Torts really believes and what he doesn't believe about his team. You know, it's kind you of won't hard.
2: find it out from what he says to the media. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it's hard. He doesn't. To... He he actively tries not to let you know what he thinks. There are times where like he will let it out where he's angry about something, yeah. or like he will shit on a guy's bad performance, or like you'll see Konechny score two goals in a game. And then he'll like, this happened a few games mm-hmm. ago and he'll just say like, I don't want to talk about it or like, I don't want to talk about his game. And like, you can tell that like the last 40 minutes of the game didn't, didn't measure up and he was upset about it. But like, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't read too much into it. Cause there's no reason to, they, went, not- on cruise,
0: <clears throat> they went on cruise control against the shitty team. You know, they could have yep. pushed for a fourth goal or a fifth goal. I get it. You know, if they beat the Blackhawks. It is what it is. No. Um, are either of you guys UFC people? Yes. No. Yeah. You, Russ is. Okay. So, <clears throat> We have a different main event at UFC Atlantic City. Um, They have not been back to this region since 2018, I want to say, when Justin Gaethje fought Edson Barboza in Philadelphia. Maybe that was 2019. I think 2018 was Kevin Lee versus Edson Barboza in Atlantic City. But either way, they haven't been back to this area in four or five years. We had a a headliner of uh, Sean Brady and Vicente Luque. Sean Brady had to pull out, I guess. Joaquin Buckley steps in for... Uh, for him, and that gets moved to the co-main. The main event is Aaron Blanchfield versus Manon Fioro. Um, and, I like, honestly, like I, because a lot of people come out and say, like, the thing that UFC is doing now, they keep having these fight nights at the Apex in Las Vegas, and they're kind of mm-hmm. like whatever cards, and it's like they... The criticism is that they're just trying to get something on television every week or pay-per-view every week, and it's kind of watered down the product where there's not amazing cards or amazing fights. I still think the UFC Atlantic City in march is a pretty good card honestly i think the headlining fight i think the two women fighting at 125 number two versus number three i think it's a worthy headliner man aaron blanchfield is a fucking stone cold killer and this is basically a title eliminator it's basically a number one challenger fight so i'll just say to the people who are listening who are ufc fans is that i don't maybe i'm not different from from you know the general consensus here is that it's kind of a weak card i think it's a good card you know and i would like to see ufc be more prevalent around here. I know we have a good MMA circuit in the area. I know we've got a local fighter, a lot of local fighters, but Eddie Alvarez has said in the past, like all I want to do is come back and fight in Philly again, you know, and there are no opportunities to do that AC Philly or whatever. So that's my take uh, on the UFC Atlantic city card.
2: I think their shame is that they're not getting an actual big event. Like it's sandwiched. It's almost like what three weeks after two ninety nine and like two weeks before UFC three hundred. Three hundred, yeah. And like I think yeah. that that maybe is where the bigger concern is. Like I'm not going to sit and act like I know everybody who's on the card in Atlantic City. I will focus in on the pay per views because I think they're what matters. Like I thought you were going to take this to why the fuck is UFC three hundred such an underwhelming card? Well, it's, it's which is it's a which is a very fair question to ask. It's an underwhelming. It, it's it's
0: the opposite of top-heavy. Is it bottom-heavy? Well, bottom Is that the opposite of top heavy? I think people wanted some blockbuster headline or some blockbuster main event, and for whatever reason, they just couldn't make it work. John Jones, not available. You know, Ilya Toporia just took the title off of Volk. Like, that didn't match up as Is Israel Adesanya ready for you know drake is I, I don't know like for whatever reason they couldn't make all this stuff line up top to bottom i think it's loaded i mean you got like three former champions on the under on the early prelims so i think for like i have to like be a dickhead but i think like for the casual mma fan it's not that exciting but i think for the the hardcore person who's watching the fight nights every week i think 300 is pretty good from from top to bottom i know mean, you can't make everything work man i mean if Conor McGregor could figure out his shit or whatever, like they could have had him headline. Head well, I'm so sick of.
2: Well, Conor Kevin, McGregor, by the way. it's funny see. that you mentioned that name because I, I'm sure you didn't see this. You're talking like, about the Michael Chandler thing. Michael Chandler one? calling out oh. Conor McGregor with the WrestleMania right. 40 oh, sign behind them. Yeah, okay. I am very interested to see if that if that amounts to anything, because ever since Endeavor bought WWE and they created TKO with the two, the thought has been could they look to do a weekend event that has both UFC and WWE. And it does look like they're going to be working on that. I think in Vegas, there are going to be a couple of things that are coming up where it's going to be like UFC on a, on a Saturday or Friday or whatever, and then WWE on Sunday. <laughs> I will be interested to see, is there a chance that in Philadelphia at WrestleMania 40, could you see something leading up to Mania yeah. where they put Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler legitimately in the octagon at Lincoln Financial Field? That would be pretty fucking cool. I don't know how you make it work. I like, I I do I'm not just understand. Sick of being
0: teased by it though. I feel like I've been teased with like McGregor and Chandler stuff and and John Jones and Stipe and all this. I'm just like man, can we just get like get just get these this stuff booked,
2: man. I think that's well, you know what killed them though. That's what why I have what would have been the mega for. fight though, Kev? Who's the okay. guy who's missing? who's the guy who's missing that really would have been the main event for 300? Who's the guy that that Dana White pissed off and then went off and isn't doing MMA right now? Francis and Ganu, I like I, I, yes, yes, that's true. They did that, not manage. That- I'll, I'll,
3: I'll chip in it from the non MMA perspective. The only way I'm I'm buying like something like that is if McGregor shows up and I'm probably rooting against him at this point. Mm-hmm. Or like there's like yeah. five guys that I know off the top of my head and the one of them. Yeah,
0: this is why I just have a lot of respect for like the Israel Adesanya's and the Alexander Volkanovskis and like the Max Holloways of this world because these guys are always game. They're active. They fight a lot. They always put on a good show. And I'm I'm sick of like McGregor shit, man. It's like, are you going to fight then fight? And if you're not, then then don't. Cause like, you're not doing it. You are just screwing it up for everybody else. You know, people are trying to get these cards filled out. Fans want to know what's scheduled, you know, what can we look forward to? What can we not look forward to? And like some people are in it for the money and some people are in it for the, themselves and other people are just, just gamers, you know? So that's where, where my respect goes with that, but I'm going to try to get down to the UFC the UFC uh, in March, you know, because it hasn't been hasn't been around here in a while. Um, <clears throat>
2: right, to be fair, right. though, I wouldn't want to see Chandler and McGregor in a WWE match, and I cert the worst thing they could possibly do is to do like a work shoot match where like you do what WWE calls the fight pit, um, which they've yeah. done a few times. Like, I don't want to see a worked match between those guys. Like, I I want to actually see them fight. Yeah. So again, like, I don't know how even if you were like, hey, we're gonna throw this like UFC kind of event the same weekend as Mania. I don't know how you do that in a way that people don't inherently think it's scripted. And that, to me, is the bigger issue. It would be really cool with a sold-out Lincoln Financial field. Like, just imagine that, you know, instead of having a, an undercard or mid-card, you know, match that's on the pre-show, you say, like, we have the octagon and we're going to put these guys in it. That'd be really cool.
0: Ford says that uh, McGregor is prioritizing his faith in his family instead of and he's, he's prioritizing uh, proper... Uh,
2: Proper twelve Irish whiskey or whatever. Russ, is
3: Russ does, does McGregor appear in the Royal Rumble first or fight again in UFC?
2: Well, it's a, that would be a full year away. So I think he'll fight. I think that at some point McGregor has to get back in, but I don't know if it'll be with UFC. That I think is like the bigger holdup. I don't know, Kev, like Kevin's more embedded in UFC than I am, but like, I like would McGregor take a big payday from Bellator? I don't think they could afford him. And what's the other one, Kev? There's another. Um, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Like maybe PFL would pay for one, him, but one like, changer. would he, but would he do it? I don't know. I don't know. He had the bad injury too. I mean, it's not like the,
0: the reason for him being out for so long was understandable, but now we're kind of past that point. So it's like, like, yeah, if,
3: should, like, if, he's just, bat, like if he's just going to show up just, just for show now, like it's fine. I I don't know. My, my ship has sailed on him from just like a very casual standpoint.
2: Well, the right. mystique came off. It was the same thing that right. happened with Ronda Rousey at the end, like when Holly Holm, right? was the he's one. Not, kind he's of-
0: not beaten. Conor McGregor has won, has won a single fight, in, not just in MMA, but in combat sports in general. He's won one fight going back to 20, 2017 or 18 or something like that. He beat Cowboy Cerrone. That's right. 170 pounds. He lost to Floyd Mayweather. He lost to Dustin Poirier twice. I mean, he just doesn't. He lost to Khabib. Right? Conor McGregor, not, not only is he inactive, but he just has not won anything, which is why I'm just kind of sick of it, you know. So that's that's the thing that bothers me. All right, final point. Um, approval for the new college football playoff format, 12 teams. It's gonna be five plus seven. So the conference winners all get an automatic bid, seven at large. The caveat here being Notre Dame, which has a say in all of this and agreed to all of this, they sit on the committee with everybody else. They agreed that the top four. Conference winners will be seated one through four. The highest that Notre Dame can even be be seated in this is number five. Even if they're the number one team in the country and they go 12-0, and 0, they can't go into the college football playoff as anything higher than the five seed. Um, Tansy, you're a college football guy. I mean, is there anything uh, notable uh, to take away from from the new formatters? is kind of how we expected that it was going to go.
3: No, because Notre Dame is never going to be one of the top four teams again. True. I mean, that, that's just the reality of the situation.
2: Could this have been a power play to try to force Notre Dame into a conference? Potentially. Because that's the They're only on. thing I could think is like you, if if you want to be in the top four and your only way in is through a conference and they've been reticent to join a conference, this would seem to be like the ultimate they, fuck they, you to them, right? But they, were but
0: they, okay. they were okay with it. I mean, they sat on the committee and they would have had to you know right. give their approval. I mean, maybe what I think Joe is like, they saw a path where it's like, we only have to play 12 games. We don't have to play a conference title. We don't have to play Georgia mm-hmm. in Atlanta, right? So we can go 12 games, get in as an at-large. And then and they and
3: they also the caveat here is five through week at a home game. Like an actual true home game in the playoff format. So yeah. I mean that, that benefits like that does benefit them in, in a way where I mean, like the the second tier schools like the Ole Miss, the Penn State, like they're actually gonna benefit from the format because they're going to get extra gate in December, and they're going to make extra money, and then that—that's all cyclical. Goes into the transfer portal, NIL, all that stuff. So it actually makes like a team like a like a Ole Miss or a Penn State a lot more attractive because you know they're going to be in the playoff, and if they host a game, that's what X amount of million dollars. The, the real power play coming is when they try and expand this to fourteen in twenty twenty six, and the SEC and Big Ten demand four spots um, at minimum. That, that's the that's the power play that's already being reported.
0: So, the interesting thing is that pick a team, say you're Florida State or something, right? You play your 12, you get Clemson or Louisville or somebody in the ACC championship game, and then you win that. So, say you're 13 and 0, you get your bye in the first round of the college football playoff, and you got to win three in a row. So, you're going 13 by three, 16 games total. If you're Notre Dame, you play your 12, you can't get the bye, then you got to play four straight but you're still playing 16 it's just a different path to to get there you know so i mean to me it seems reasonable originally i was like fuck notre dame i'm still mad at them for taking the gator bowl from us in 2006 when we had a better record they were like seven and five we were like nine and three or whatever and the, the domers always get their priorities They always get special treatment because they're on nbc and all this blah blah you know but uh it does seem reasonable i like i get I understand why they would sign on to something like that because it makes sense for everybody and that's just a way to get around it but um I think it's fine. I don't think, I think if people, it's like when you expand the, the March Madness NCAA tournament from 64 to 68, okay, instead of arguing about team 65, now we're arguing about whether team 69 deserved to be in there, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, when you go to the college football playoff, okay, instead of who did team number five get screwed, did team number 13 get screwed? But guess what? The further you go down the list, and, you and more in even-
3: reality, it's team number 12. Yeah. Be- because the, the fifth auto bid is the, the group of five teams.
0: Group of 5 so you're, right.
3: you're really you're really taking the top 11. So, you, yeah, you're just arguing to your point. You're arguing who's the 12th or 13th best team. Right. And as
0: you go further down the list, Joe, it's like, you know, as as you get further down the top 25, there's less and less of a chance for that next team on the bubble to actually win the title. You right. know what I'm saying? I can I can get it if you have a case like this year where, say, Florida State was undefeated or there was a 12 and one and, and they got <clears> in. And somebody else didn't. You could make a case that the fifth best team in the country could beat the number one team in the country, but is number thirteen that good? You know what I'm saying? Like, is, uh, is, uh, is on a is a on a
3: normal year? There's what six or seven actual title contenders. Yeah, kind of exactly. Yeah, yeah, and then that, and yeah. that's like, that's on a good year.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so I think it's fine. I think this is an appropriate number. If they expand it, so what? The cream will always rise to the top. Right. But uh, you know, you, there's Ooh, yeah, the cream of the crop. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Russ. I appreciate that.
3: Alabama uh, is still going to play Ohio State or some mixture of those teams, but it just it's just a matter of how, how you get to that point.
0: That's what I'm saying. There's quite a drop-off once you get outside of the top you know, five or six or seven, probably, to the point where if we're arguing about Team 13, it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. Who are the teams on the bubble? Like If Seton Hall gets into the tournament this year, they're not going to win it anyway. No. So, you know, these if, arguments. If, Vill-
3: if Vill- Villanova gets in, they're going to play in Dayton and maybe be like an 11 seed and we're going to drum up um oh, it's Villanova, can they do this? But really they can't. Like the the bubble's another thing with in terms of novelty. Yeah. I've been talking about this a lot on the college basketball shows I'm doing. The bubble really isn't fun. It's just teams that that suck and, and once you get older and realize that these teams just suck and we're just talking about Who's the best, like 11 11
0: team in the Big East? Yeah, it's fun it, to have these is, arguments, yeah. but what is the real meaning behind any of it? No, I mean, is uh, there isn't much. Is team number 11, is the, the team in the playing game that was one of the last four teams in? Do they have a chance to win it all? Probably not. So, uh, <clears throat> all right. That being said, thank you to everybody for listening today. Thank you to Ford for coming on. That was fun. Joey B says that Rush Joy has a top five mustache on YouTube sports shows. We appreciate that. Uh, Joe, thanks for coming on, man. Welcome to the the crew. Look out for Joe's uh, columns daily or every other day on the site. And uh, we will see you um, on Monday for Russ's show, and then we will have the uh, Crossing Broadcast show with Russ and myself back next Thursday. All right. Have a good weekend, everybody.